When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Transition is something that I am not an expert in, but I do know how important this is. And this is something that parents and teachers need to start thinking about early, not when a child turns 16. This needs to be part of the conversation from elementary school. So I'm really looking forward to sharing today's interview with you. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Peter Vierno, who's a consultant and transition coordinator. And we cover everything transition. These are some big topics that we chat about in this episode. We talk about how to get this process started, how an, an elementary school teacher or a middle school teacher or a high school student or a high school teacher can start this conversation about transition. And as Peter went through describing the different transition components, it really dawned on me that this is one area of special ed that it's both the teacher and the parent's responsibility to keep this ball rolling. So this episode is going to be really helpful for both teachers and parents of children of all ages. Because as we talk about, you want to think about transition early even in elementary school years, starting to plan, starting to think ahead. So we cover what's included in a transition plan, what are some best practices and maybe red flags to even look for. And then we get detailed and talk about things like legal guardianship and who on the team you should be working with. So this episode is jam-packed with information and a lot of great resources that I think you can utilize to start this transition process in a really effective way. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Hi, Sasha. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background and what you do now. Well, Sasha, I have worked for, uh, gosh, over 20 years now uh, in various capacities as a uh, high school teacher, then as a transition coordinator, uh, supporting uh, various high schools in our district, in our district in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. Uh, I also have uh, my own company, MVP Transition Consulting, where I'll work with uh, students and families and, and uh, young adults uh, out of school and their families on uh, supporting their transition to adulthood with the skills they need to be successful and uh, helping to navigate the world of adult services. That is great because there is such an area of need for that. You know, so many parents, you know, even parents that are like the the with it ones that, you know, go to conferences themselves and, you know, really take on a lot of the training. The transition area is so overwhelming and different. It, it sure is. And uh, that's been my experience. We have, uh, as you said, parents who are really on the ball about things and uh, really good about uh, with IEP meetings and keeping track of everything. And then uh, I've had numerous experiences where they get to that final year of high school and it's all of a sudden it kind of dawns on them, oh my goodness, uh, what's going to happen next? Yeah. Um, I, I hear this phrase a lot, falling off the cliff. Um, yes. Families are used to uh, having all the services through uh, IDEA and, and the rights and entitlements, but that whole world of adult services is about uh, eligibility for services and applying for benefits and education rehabilitation. So, yeah, and you don't have that support team, like you said, you know, from from three years old to 22, you have this like team of people that are here to help you and right. and answer questions. And then like 22 hits and it's like, oh, bye. See ya. Yeah, yeah. And those teams can be developed. Just the difference is that parents will sort of have to initiate that on their own at that point. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes. Try to bring that team together for the uh, adult services uh, component. So we're trying to get that going in school. Uh, during those last couple of years of, of high school, uh, but certainly at some point, uh, that's where parents kind of have to take some initiative as far as uh, reaching out to agencies and getting on wait lists for services. Uh, and certainly, the earlier the better. Um, you know, we have, as you know, transition components of IEPs will start at age 16, but we are looking to start that process uh, certainly uh, much younger when, when families start to learn about maybe a particular area of interest or schools and families can uh, work on those uh, student uh, work habits and that can hopefully lead to good uh, habits in the work world eventually. It's really never too early to start thinking about how those skills are going to relate to what they're going to do when, once they, the day after they graduate from high school. Uh, and again, just making sure families can start looking into the uh, financial planning, the vocational training options, um, and just kind of want schools to help kind of walk them through it, but it's going to be really more of a partnership. That's a great, you know, the point you made, like, parents might have to initiate this process. And I think sometimes parents maybe aren't used to having to initiate things because it kind of is always like, okay, here's our annual review. Here's our triannual. Yep. Yep. So, you know, when, when should a parent, when and how should a parent really like get the ball rolling and know like, you know, oh, my school's with it. We just aren't there yet. Or, you know, I got to be the one to really ask the right questions. Right. And so they can certainly reach out to uh, school-based personnel. Uh, now, this will vary from district to district. Uh, some of our larger school districts will have transition coordinators that they can ask for information for. 
Uh, we always try to see if school districts can maybe have the transition information fair uh, hold out once a year so that families can come out and in one evening they can get information from the various uh, adult service agencies uh, in their local communities. So, I mean, parents can certainly start uh, asking some of these things, even in, in middle school or uh, even in upper elementary school. I mean, we've had, uh, I've seen the elementary schools on transition information fairs uh, where families can at least learn about, again, not just for vocational options, but uh, leisure options and independent living options, uh, just what's, what's available in their local community, just kind of thinking beyond just uh, our little world of school. Yeah, that's a great point that, you know, we think of transition as like employment, but there's a lot right. more that you do with your life besides work. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, sure. Uh, and, and you're right. And, and that's a mindset that we want to have uh, both uh, school staff and parents uh, think about that. It's, uh, I mean, sure, having a job and having a place to go once our students leave school uh, can be sort of the basis around which uh, other areas can be formed in, but we still need to work on our daily living skills, our social skills. How are, are will our students learn how to navigate their local communities? Uh, so that all kind of kind of branches out from there. So uh, so it, it's not surprising that it, it's real uh, overwhelming for the supports that many of our students are, are going to need. So certainly uh, that's where it just may not be just a natural onto the next step the way uh, many of our their same age peers could uh, be. So. Yeah, that's true. And what about like for, te you know, for teachers, when, when should teachers initiate this conversation with parents and what advice do you have? Cause that can be kind of, right, you know, a right. sensitive, a sensitive topic. It can be. Uh, and that's where, uh, again, it's, uh, we don't want to necessarily wait until that uh, transition component kicks in. It might be easy to say, well, Let's say a student's uh, you know, 11, 12, 13, and oh, well, this is uh, the transition component. We're not going to deal with this for another couple of years. But let's start at least uh, thinking about how the goals that we're setting up for our students, how are they going to relate to, well, we may not know right now what your son or daughter is going to exactly do. We don't have a crystal ball right now. Uh, we can say, you know, six or seven years, these are the types of skills that we want to be working towards. Here's a little bit of information that uh, we have we can at least distribute to you uh, for what, what's available in, in our local community. Um, you know, just to learn about you know, SSI benefits, vocational rehabilitation have to offer. Um, here are some post-secondary training programs uh, that are uh, in local community colleges. Uh, again, that's going to vary widely from uh, district to district and state to state, but at least just kind of getting that mindset thinking about it instead of just saying, Oh, well, that's just something that I school. So. Yeah, I agree. Just like putting it on parents' radars. Like I, I took junior high for a long time right. and I used to bring this up at every IEP, even for like my fifth, sixth graders, like, you know, your kid turning 21 and 22 is going to come quickly, even though they're 11, yeah. like these next 10 years are going to fly by. And, you right. know, I ask like, who do you want your child to live with? And they're like, oh, right. with us. And I hated, like, I felt like the grim reaper, but I was like, but what about when you die? And like, yeah. you know, case manager was always like appalled that I said that, but I was like, you have to think about that. Like, you're going to die. And like, absolutely. your child is going to need someone to care for them. Absolutely. And that's where, uh, you know, issues such as uh, guardianship that we'll try to touch on and just some other areas uh, that may seem like you know, real daunting tasks, but uh, it is so much better to at least be thinking of it, uh, even, in their, even in their elementary years. Because they're big decisions. It might take you a few years to decide. Yeah. So oh, let's absolutely. 
Let's talk about guardian, guardianship because actually um, yeah. this is something that was new to me. My, actually, my aunt just went through this with my cousin. So can you okay. explain legal guardianship and kind of the implications of this decision for parents here? Yeah, it is a tremendous uh, responsibility and uh, essentially just helping our parents to realize that when their son or daughter turns 18, regardless of their level of uh, intellectual functioning, cognitive functioning, uh, regardless of that, they are considered an adult by by, by law to make their own decisions. So families need to start thinking about uh, they really need to have a balancing act. And, and that's, this is going to vary from state to state, too. So reaching out to their local uh, county courthouse, there might be like a clerk of court who can kind of walk them through the ins and outs. Like everything else with our IEPs and our transition plans, it's going to be highly individualized situations. We want to have our our students retain rights to the greatest degree possible, uh, but at the same time, there could be some complex uh, medical and legal decisions that a guardian can, uh, they might want to have a guardian, usually parents, but not always, uh, have some say over what happens, but there could be some everyday decision making that they can still retain the rights to have, to have decisions over as far as uh, where they want to live or what types of uh, job they want to go to or friends they want to have. So full guardianship can be very, very restricted and it should really be a, a last resort. I mean, they, but there are all sorts of information that they can try to seek out when talking about guardianship of the person, guardianship of the estate. Uh, I know that's kind of how it was with North Carolina. Here in North Carolina, it's sort of broken down. Uh, but there are limited guardian, guardianship options. Uh, there's powers of attorney. Uh, they can sort of reach out to. I mean, there should be uh, attorneys in their area that might know a lot of the specifics of, they, uh, of some of those different options, uh, where they can at least try to reach out to someone at their local county courthouse to kind of walk them through. But you know, doing all this before, long before they turn 18, because uh, that's where we really start to panic and make some rushed decisions if we're wait, waiting until then. So that's another issue that uh, when we talk about the uh, transition services, Component, you know, one of our transition goals and our transition services, one of our components of adult learning skills, just trying to uh, decide on guardianship issues. Uh, it is never too early to be thinking about that. Yeah, so teachers should really be getting this uh, this specific point, the guardianship on parents' radars, like early high school, so they can start absolutely. You know, their, the process. Absolutely, and they don't have to be experts in all the ins and outs of it. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it's a lot of times I'll reach out to other folks to try to get some more details on it because, again, some of the things I'm mentioning, uh, you, you get into like uh, special needs trusts and SSI benefits and uh, there are a lot of myths out there as far as what uh, families are entitled to. So it's really important to at least just just get the clear information from, and it, it may not directly, it may not be from their teachers or staff at the school, but they can at least point them in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, find out. We're, we really try to have school districts, uh, whenever possible, have an interagency team where uh, I know in our area they might meet uh, on a regular basis and just uh, have you know, representatives from different stakeholders in the local community try to come together and just so, just so that everyone is kind of aware of uh, what each different agency is, is working on and doing so that uh, if teachers need to find out some information they'll at least say here's a phone number here's the name of someone you can try to, try to reach out to. Uh, you know, Teachers can't make the phone calls for parents, but uh, they can at least do their part with trying to point them in the right direction. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? 
Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, as we like go through and talk about all the different intricacies of transition, it just keeps like the theme of like the responsibility really here is on both the teacher and the parent, which is such a shift from a lot of elementary school. But, you know, every school is so different on what quality of services and support they'll give. So, you know, if you're a parent listening, that's not getting the support you need, you have to initiate and advocate. And if you're a teacher that parents don't seem to have this on their radar, you've got to get this on their radar. You do. Uh, it, it, they're really the, the ownership part from, from both sides uh, at, at an earlier age. Uh, and I know it may seem like it's a kind of big gray area uh, and not knowing where to, to start first. But you know, if you just think about those three pillars of a transition plan, the, the, goal, the post-secondary goals, just think about how you're going to try to address those. Whether it's that, where, where do you see your son and daughter going for uh post-secondary education or vocational training, uh, what type of employment possibilities are you seeing, uh, what kind of independent living arrangement. And you may not know that exactly when they're you know, in middle school or upper elementary. Uh, you'll ideally get more uh, specific about those. You want to update once that transition from the kids to age 16. As they get closer to leaving school, you want to try to have a better idea of what the student will do uh, you want to make sure that those goals are written in measurable terms, uh, what the student will do uh, upon completion of high school, so you have the result that you're at least working towards. Uh, and hopefully you can start to invite, especially in the, that last year or last two years of high school, uh, representatives from these different uh, agencies. So if there is a college program, maybe someone from their disability support services can be invited to the meeting there. Uh, again, someone from uh, vocational rehabilitation or another uh, vocational related agency that might be providing services. Uh, you know, that, that's a whole other uh, component. So the closer you get, the more uh, specific. Uh, and, and that's where the assessments come in. Uh, you know, there's a whole world, a whole great array of assessments available, not just for vocational, not, not just to find out about their vocational strengths and interests, but again, what sort of daily living, what's the daily living skill set, their self-determination, how much can they uh, advocate and have a say in what their, what happens in their day-to-day lives. So, uh, so just trying to find out uh, just some of that information. I know, um, you know 
one good starting point for uh, staff and, and for parents as far as transition assessments. Uh, we have the National Transition, National Technical Assistance Center on Transition, uh, NTACT. Uh, they're based out of the uh, University of North Carolina in Charlotte. Uh, they have a transition assessment toolkit on their website. Uh, so it's just sort of a, a one, one uh, option as far as a starting point. Their, their site is transitionta.org. Oh, cool. Uh, the uh, Transition Coalition is based at the University of Kansas. Uh, they have uh, a link for assessment reviews uh, on their site. Um, so some of these could be either purchased by school districts. Uh, so you, you just want to sort of get, as, as the student gets older, we just want to try to get a more specific, uh, we don't want to kind of nail down some more specific information. I mean, it's fine to start when they're younger, uh, just a, a general, you know, what do you see yourself doing? I like to do this, but you want to think about what kind of work environment, what kind of living environment, uh, so that when they leave school, they have a much, much more solid plan. We're going to have that exit point, that exit meeting uh, right before students graduate school, and we have a summary of performance for their IEP to kind of try to sum up uh, where, they, where they currently are, and that information can go out to uh, agencies to give them an idea where the student is Yeah, that I love this idea that you've mentioned, like, you know, kind of getting being more general and then getting more specific as they get older and older. Cause that like it's so yeah. daunting that that's almost how you have to approach it. And right. for you know, elementary school teachers or elementary school staff, how you know, how can you even start this this process, even like for our little guys, our preschoolers, our early elementary, like yep. what yep. advice you give to staff um, kind of in early elementary to even get this process started? Yeah, just thinking about, uh, it, it, again, depending on each state, there might be, uh, if we're thinking about Medicaid-based services that need to be uh, provided uh, when our students, uh, that might be provided outside of school, so there's extra services and supports a student might need. Uh, you know, again, some states might have wait lists for these services. Uh, I know that's the case in North Carolina. Uh, just as far as uh, managed care organizations that provide services for families. So at least getting, you know, there might be like a, you know, just parents can ask, is there a number I can call to uh, find out about what services might be available? So there should be some sort of either managed care organization or some agency that would be sort of like an umbrella agency that families can at least contact have that first point of contact to kind of get started. And then even beyond that, just thinking about, just, just thinking about what does what my son and daughter like to do? Uh, what, what's the real interest that they have that we can really foster their development towards maybe a job someday? Or what kind of uh, work habits can we develop uh, during the school day? Uh, even, even jobs around the school campus, uh, you know, uh, in the media center, in the cafeteria, uh, wherever it may be. Just getting them thinking about there some things outside of our classroom setting that we can kind of generalize our skills that we're working on so they uh, learn how to make those transitions and so when they finish you know when they're working on work systems in the classroom can they take those skills and, and generalize them into other settings yeah that's a great point because so often i see teachers you know we work on something just in one way but for it really to be a life skill we have to be able to do it in all these different settings Right, absolutely. I mean, those uh, visual supports and uh, and the, all following the schedules and the work systems. I mean, everything we're working on in the classroom, just helping them to realize that there's going to be that those can be applied in, in different settings. And uh, so the 
young adults and adults that I've worked with, and we can carve out uh, jobs out in the community where they can take those uh, skills, and take those strategies, and use them so that with the more practice they have in the classroom, even at an early age, uh, having all that repetition so they can at least they're familiar with what to do, but just uh, performing it in a different context and they can become, become adults. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, this has been very informational because this is not an area that like I have an expertise level in. And this is an area that I think is daunting, but like, as we've talked about from preschool teachers to high school teachers, everyone needs to be, you know, engaging in these conversations and parents the same way. So yeah, so much. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a, just kind of a mindset, uh, just keeping the end in mind and just kind of have a, have a backwards planning. You know, here, here's what we see that we're not going to, Say we'd have to know exactly they're going to, this is the job, the exact job they're going to have. That might be, you know, 12, 13 years down the road. And that's okay. Uh, but what can we start to develop uh, in our students you know, so they can be uh, ready for that point? Because as you mentioned, it's going to come, come up pretty quickly. So yeah. it's just having that mindset kind of here are the big goals and how can we work backwards to setting up IEP goals that can meet those, those secondary goals. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Awesome. Well, and where, can you share your website for people to learn more about you and learn more about transition? Oh, oh sure. Uh, www.mvptransitionconsulting.com. Uh, and, and certainly uh, a couple of the resources that I mentioned, um, uh, transitionta.org, uh, transitioncoalition.org are just a couple of starting points. Uh, and just trying to find out your local autism society chapter, your local ARC chapter, uh, are certainly good starting points uh, as far as just getting some information that you might, you know, they, they can definitely be good resources for, for starting points as, as well. So, again, just Great. thinking about, yeah, again, not just the, the employment part, but you know, just any kind of community experiences to get our students uh, thinking about you know, how they're going to interact with the their peers and how that's going to help them. Great. Well, thank you so much, Peter. This has been very informational. Well, that's terrific, Tasha. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Have a great day. You too. Did you know that two out of three teachers turn to Teachers Pay Teachers for educational resources? As a seller on TPT, this makes me so excited. I love seeing educators turn to other educators for support in their classrooms. There are so many great resources on Teachers Pay Teachers, and this could be made even better if we could involve school budgets in this process. Enter TPT for Schools. TPT for Schools makes it easy for administrators and teachers to collaborate when making curricular decisions. TPT helps you set up a way of using school funds for these resources. This is a new program and there's already over 5,000 schools registered. In the special ed world, this is even more important because we don't have that many resources and the resources that are provided for us might not be so appropriate for our class. To learn more about TPT for Schools, visit schools.teacherspayteachers.com. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. 
If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.